This week on the Picture Line podcast, we're talking to from scratch cook and YouTuber Ashley Marie. We'll discuss her history with cooking and YouTube, plus what goes into a good cooking video. But first, let's talk about our upcoming December 15th workshop with Ohio-based photographer Kelly Beezer, entitled The Light of My Life, Photographing Children in Beautiful Light, sponsored by Profoto. You can find out more about the workshop and sign up on our events page at pictureline.com. PictureLine is located at 305 West, 700 South in Salt Lake City and is your source for photography equipment, education, resources, and more. Now on to the show. My guest this week on the Picture Line podcast is Ashley Marie. She is a YouTuber. She is a from scratch chef. She is a cake decorator. She's been featured on uh, the Food Network. She's got a hugely successful YouTube channel, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, her her work with food and how photography and videography and all that sort of works together. So, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're excited to have you here. So, um, tell us a little bit about how where you're normally when we talk to photographers. We asked them first off where they got into photography, but I want to ask you where you got into cooking and baking. Uh, yeah, when we were uh, first married early on, my uh, my husband got a job over in Japan, and uh, at the time, we only had two little kids, and so it's not like I had a second job. You know, I had these little little babies, and I I didn't miss America, but I missed food, like good food. Mm-hmm. And so I started making it myself. Okay. Now in Japan, they don't even have ovens, and I'm a carb lo- lover. Sure. And so like I, my, my husband not? bought me this little itty-bitty <laughs> oven that they have over in Japan. It's the size of a microwave. And so I was only able to cook a couple cookies at a time, but it just kind of went from there. I made my own. Um, we even bought a like six pound turkey to make <laughs> for Thanksgiving dinner. And um, so then I just kind of started experimenting. I breads and bagels and cookies and pies. Uh, and then over Christmas, I learned how to make my own homemade eggnog. And I've been making it ever since. And I just really fell in love with cooking. And growing up, my parents weren't really into uh, cooking or baking at all. And so it wasn't something that I'd had as part of my life that was passionate about, but I'm passionate about food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you're someplace where you can't get it and you love it, you learn to make it. And it just went from there. And when we got back to the States, I'm like, oh, this will be great. I can just go buy tortillas right. instead of making them myself. And and we just fill our food with so much preservatives here that it, it's just not good. I was shocked at how bad food tasted when I came home. So I just kind of kept it up. Well, how did that uh, lead into, you know, this this passion for for food and for cooking eventually led to um, appearing on the Food Network and other (laughs) places like that? Can you trace a little bit of that journey? Yeah, of course. So when I got back and I maintained this cooking from scratch and stuff like that, and I, I realized that what I really love at the heart of everything is I love teaching. And so many people are, are scared of cooking from scratch. We're so used to just being able to grab a can or grab a box and make it. And I wanted to tell people that, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. It's, it's, it's not like there's something special about me in that aspect that if you love food and you want to make it yourself, it just takes the right tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. Like I get that it's, it's easy to fail and get scared and 
ingredients can be expensive. And so people then are like, I don't want to spend all this money on something and have it not work out. But so my, what I always tell people is like with the right tips and tricks, you can make anything. And so my goal is to be a teacher and an educator and give them those right tips and tricks and tools. And usually it's something minor. You just change one little thing and then all of a sudden the possibilities of making anything open up to you. Mm-hmm. And so you, you started off teaching. Um, was YouTube kind of the, the, the place you started with that? It or was there wasn't. In fact, funny enough, um, I started by cooking like locally, inviting neighbors over and teaching them um, like that. We just had a weekly little gathering and we learned uh, to cook together. And, um, and then I really got into cake decorating. Because, okay. you know, I, at the time I had four kids and my husband was in grad school and I was bored. Right. <laughs> so, so I started cake decorating classes and it kind of married those from scratch that I was loving and the creative decorating side of my life um, that, that I loved. And, and it was awesome because I got to make something that was beautiful, but I also didn't have to store it because <laughs> so, right. I could eat it. Yeah. Um, and and then from there, I'm like, I I want to make these for people who doesn't get into cake decorating and want to make huge elaborate wedding cakes right that's mm-hmm. kind of like the um, and so I I needed a place to advertise so I couldn't afford a thousand dollar website or anything like that so somebody told me about blogs they were easy to make and and you could put pictures on them and I could share them and I could make a pseudo website that way so I started putting my cakes up and then I discovered food bloggers and I'm like well I have good recipes as well as pretty cakes so I should share that too and that kind of snowballed and now I'm at the point that I don't really even take on very many clients a year for cakes and do like one or two a year for people mm-hmm. usually just friends and uh, and now the and the blog became this big thing and it snowballed and after I've been blogging for 11 and a half years now so about eight years in <laughs> I was like I there's only so far this can take me and the internet is changing and I needed to add something else to differentiate myself from the millions of other food bloggers who are popping up. Because back when I started, blogging was just a passion project. It wasn't about making money in right. any way, shape, or form. And once it became something that made money, it just, the floodgates opened and there's there's millions and thousands and there's, I want to say there's like 13,000 blogs started every day. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just it's just massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to stand out, I needed something different. And I'd never really felt super confident in writing. Like, blogging wasn't the thing that I would have been like, I'm going to choose this path. It just kind of happened. Um, but as a theater major back in the day, uh, videoing and being and the in-class the in-person classes that I loved teaching, it made sense to go into the video side of things. And so I spent a year uh, researching and at conferences, going to all the video classes that they offered and and training myself and trying to learn this new medium. And then I launched my YouTube channel. Let's talk about your Moana cake a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Um, you made this, what is what is the character's name? Is it Tomatoa? Tomatoa? Okay, I didn't want to get it wrong. Um, <laughs> So you, you made a Tomatoa cake, and Tomatoa is the Tomatoa is the giant crab guy played by Jemaine Clement, I think, yes. in the Disney film Moana. And your YouTube video, how long is that video? Uh, like eighteen and a it's half, like 18 nineteen minutes. Okay. minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, it's, under yeah, twenty. It's 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 up there. It's a long one, but it at is. the end of the video, you say something really interesting. You say this cake took me days seven, to make. It took you days. seven days to make that cake, <laughs> yeah. and is that? Was that at that point the first of all? Was that the most 
elaborate cake you had made up to that point, would you say? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, there's so many factors that go into calling it an elaborate cake. Uh, but, uh, yeah, probably. So then my question is, uh, from a videography, from a documenting that process, from an education standpoint, mm-hmm. what goes into the decisions you make about condensing that down to a 20-minute video? <laughs> How do you tell that story as a, as a videographer? Well, and at the time, my video setup was three different cameras with three different SD cards and an audio line, and so I was merging all of those within Photoshop, or Photoshop, Premiere Pro, mm-hmm. uh, and then sh- choosing my angle. Now, I shoot where I pick my angle beforehand, and it all goes to one SD card, and I, it makes editing much faster, so mm-hmm. I, I really would have loved to have that set up at the time, because sure. it was massive amounts of data. It took me days just to edit mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, so I, any video that I start, I start out with not a full storyboard. I'm a little bit more relaxed than okay. that. Um, when I'm making shorter, more condensed videos, I storyboard pretty closely. But mm-hmm. for for the big cakes that you never know what's going to happen, like my very first cake that I filmed, I wasn't even sure if the cake itself would work or be an epic failure and it would never see the light of day. Mm-hmm. But I videoed it anyway. So I kind of go into videoing the big productions, the big cakes, filming everything because you never know when something's going to be important or make the difference or um, or be that tip that I didn't know I needed to share. Right. So I, um, but I had a rough outline, you know, I needed to build the structure and then after the structure dries and, you, you know, so, so I kind of knew the base that I wanted. And then as I went into editing, I went back to that basic structure idea that I had. And so I did the first rough cut that was probably an hour long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it, no, I know that nobody wants to sit there and watch this for an hour. Maybe another cake decorator, but then that really limits my audience to five people. Sure. <laughs> who want to make this cake. Um, so at the end of the day, it needs, as much as I want to be an educator, it needs to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no problem watching several of your, you know, 20 plus video. minute videos. Yeah. And like, well, yeah, like yeah. what goes and into that? I know that, that at the, it's kind of like when I, when I teach people how to frost a cake, mm-hmm. I tell them to frost about a quarter of an inch of frosting because any less than that. And the people who love frosting are like, Oh, where's the frosting? But more than that. And the people who hate frosting are like, this is too much. So it's kind of the good medium. And so I'm looking for that in a video, enough education that the person who the five people who do want to make the cake are getting the information that they need, mm-hmm. but at the same time not going so into the detail and so into the creation that the people who just want to be entertained by it are going, okay, enough of this. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I probably did six rounds of edits on that to get it to a place that I'm like, okay, now it's just a matter of the tweaks. Yeah. Um, but, and, and I would walk away. <laughs> I did that first hour-long video because I love the cake. I'm attached to the cake. It's a baby for me, right? Yeah, like, you want hard. people to know every step. Like, this is every an important step. thing. Right. And so um, between the big cuts, the important thing was to walk away. It was actually Thanksgiving week. Make some rolls. Make a pie. <laughs> <laughs> Do <laughs> more cooking, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's my happy place sure. in the kitchen. And, uh, and then come back and be like, all right, with a fresh eye, let's watch this and see what really doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, what is just feeding my ego? <laughs> what here is just going, okay, I look really good there, but it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So. Are, so did you, uh, you filmed 
every moment every of that moment. all seven days of it yes how many hours a day uh it was probably about six hours a wow. day okay. some days were longer some were shorter like the days where i the first couple of days i was just building that custom cake stand mm-hmm. that becomes the legs right. that holds him up and so those were half an hour here, half an hour there, a lot of wait time mm-hmm. in there, a lot of cleaning the dust from my kitchen when I attempted to film sanding down the cloths. Uh, didn't even make it in the film, <laughs> and I made a huge mess of all oh, my gear no. and equipment. It was, yeah. yeah. But um, but then those last days when it really is the cake, the fondant, the details, those were like six, eight hours yeah. easily. How what's the word, um, complicated do you get on a typical cake? Do, do, do a lot of them kind of measure up to the Tamatoa one in terms of uh, moving parts and components, <laughs> or do you do more that are just kind of the simple, here's my favorite chocolate cake recipe? You know, what, am, what's the balance there? I've mostly focused in the past on the complicated ones mm-hmm. because for me, I make the cake all the time. I, you know, a simple cake is something that there's a lot of other teachers out there. Why bother? But I found uh, that my audience was interested in that. Mm-hmm. And so just this last you know, six months, I have started going, okay, let's share a basic cake. Let's share a basic recipe. They want those because those are the building tools to make something else. So sure. I did finally share the chocolate cake that I use for carving. Um, and that's actually done really well on YouTube as well. And um, it's not only great for carving, but it's really delicious too. So it, it's, you know, you don't want to be- make a cake that is gorgeous, but then tastes bad. Right. You know, you want to have both. So mm-hmm. I work really hard to make sure that they taste as good as they look. It's the end goal. Um, but I, I love the intense cake. Yeah. Uh, it's just fun. But they take a lot out of me. Not only just the time they take to make and then edit. And I have three cakes that are big cakes that I have finished, that I filmed and finished, and are just sitting on my computer waiting <laughs> to be edited. Yeah. Um, I, I have found that I love the creative side of it. I love the teaching side of it. I love the filming side of it. I hate the editing side of it. That is not unusual. I, 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 have, I have spent the last year looking for an editor, and I just haven't quite found the person who can tell through the storytelling side of it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I mean, do you have any sort of advice for someone if if someone is going that route of, of doing some kind of, you know, process-based uh, video, YouTube series, channel, whatever, um, do you have any sort of recommendations or advice for, one, wrangling that amount of data, ver- but also, you know, like finding the through line, finding the story in that, finding the, the compelling parts that people find interesting? Yeah, I, again, it kind of, it's, it's where you start. If you just go into a video and film a ton of footage, not really knowing where it's going to take you, mm-hmm. it's going to be so much more of a mess. But if you go into it knowing the goal, knowing the story that you want to tell, it makes uh, the filming aspect of it easier. Like, I, I know going into a cake like that, that my, uh, there's certain aspects of it that they don't really need to see. Um, I know there's certain aspects that they want to see, but they want to see it in a time lapse. So like putting all the shells on top of his big shell and mm-hmm. painting it gold, that's just was two short components, but I knew people would want to see it. So I filmed it all knowing it would be a time lapse. So talking didn't matter, um, stuff like that. But the aspects that did matter, the carving part, I knew I needed to also talk about it at that time. Right. Um, I try not to do... Um, 
I've played around a little bit with voiceovers and with talking at the time that I'm filming. Mm-hmm. And I find that I like the, the audio from when I'm filming it because I'm invested in it at that time. The times that I've done voiceover on my cakes, uh, I, it's a little flat. It's a little bit boring to listen to. It's not quite as exciting as being in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes you just, sometimes you have to. Sometimes voiceover is sure. what you need to do. Right. Um, but yeah, my tip would be to start with the end in mind know what aspect because each of my cakes kind of teaches a different aspect this one was really about building the structure more than it was about um the final details the final details of the that video are actually quite fast because they're Mm -hmm. not really the important component the important component was building a structure that then holds this cake and it makes your cake look more impressive he was three and a half feet wide you know but the cake itself was 14 inches wide Mm -hmm. um where like my standing Lego Batman cake, that one had like the light up eyes and I added little details here and there that were important. Um, so each cake kind of has a component of it that is the most important part of that video versus trying to make the entire cake a teaching moment. So if you're doing a big epic thing that you're teaching, make sure that you're not being so overwhelming that you're trying to teach 10 different principles within this, pick pick one, pick two. Mm-hmm. Maybe a third one that some people will catch but isn't the most important aspect. But really, uh, if, you, if you're trying to teach too much, it's overwhelming. Uh, so that's where the other videos come in. That's where the video that teaches just the recipe comes in. That's where the video we're teaching, this is the knife I use for carving. This is why it's important to carve frozen so that I can mention it in other videos, but it doesn't need to be, a, every moment doesn't need to be a teaching moment. Sure, yeah. Um, do you, first of all, do you ever make mistakes in your, in your cake making? (laughs) So many mistakes. (laughs) Do you document those? Do those make their way into videos ever? Do you talk about those? Um, is there any value in sharing those? I I think the value comes in that, uh, perfectionism is boring. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's nice to know, and it can be overwhelming as someone who's trying to learn something if the person there is every moment is 100% perfect and there's never a mistake, then you're going, well, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not interested in spending eight years create, learning to make cakes to get to that point. I just want to make that cake. Right. You know, so I think it's important to show uh, at times, but there are some mistakes that aren't important to show that just make me look like an idiot if there's too much. So there is <laughs> right. such a thing as too much mistakes because then you're not taken seriously mm-hmm. as an educator. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, she's just an idiot who's trying something she's clearly not ready for. Um, but yeah, it's important. One of my favorite moments, I made an isomalt flour. And isomalt uh, is, they call it pulled sugar, but it's actually not sugar. Anyway, it's this hard structure that you can while it's cooling, after you've cooked it, you can form it. Okay. So I was forming it into a lotus flower um, for a Jungle Book cake. And as I had just finished this beautiful, delicate flower, and I went to shove the wire into the cake itself, and I hit something within the cake, and it shook the flower, and a petal broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was important to show, one, to really show how truly delicate this flower was, but then also, two, to show how I fixed it. Because if it broke that easily for me, it's going to break for somebody else. And right. you'd, I don't want to just sit there and cry and be like, well, that video is over and mm-hmm. wasted and I'm not sharing it. But I'm like, okay, I got to fix this so that they know that they can fix it too. Mm-hmm. And so that was an important one to show. 
Um, I One of the cakes that's sitting in my queue waiting to be edited is a Beauty and the Beast cake. So it was timely at the time, not so much anymore. <laughs> and, but I made an edible glass dome to go on top of this edible uh, rose. Okay. And I had an idea of how I was going to make this with um, with uh, making my own silicone mold of a glass. And I used the this food-grade silicone mold inside the glass and outside the glass. And then when I went to cut the silicone mold and pull it apart, I broke the glass mm-hmm. inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to come up with a different way of fixing this mold. And as I've been editing this video, it so much of the time was put into making the mold this way, which then I learned didn't work, and then I, I fixed it, which I did. But that's like five minutes teaching something that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so I've actually decided to completely cut that out. It, it's I'll mention it in the final video. I'll be like, hey, I tried it this way. This is what happened. It didn't work. But then I'm actually ordering all the supplies and remaking it a better way versus the fixed, cobbled fixed way to teach them the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. What goes in? Because you also you shoot food photography for your own blog and your Instagram right. and things like that. You also you mentioned you do cakes for other clients and mm-hmm. you do um, you also shoot a lot of process videos you know for clients as well. Yes, um, those like the the Facebook style ones. Yeah. Do, do you shoot like the top down? I, with the I hands? use two cameras, so top and side. Okay, and yeah, I shoot recipe videos for other food bloggers and brands and. Um, that's kind of my side hustle. Who doesn't mm-hmm. have a side hustle these days? Sure, right? yeah. <laughs> um, what goes into a good um, process recipe video like that? What it, you know, in terms of, you know, what do you need to be looking for when you're making one of those? I know you. I know you teach workshops on this sort of thing. So. Yeah. You know, don't give away the trade secrets or anything like that. Or no, do, you yeah. know, but we, no, yeah, my, what goes my, into that? My retreat is actually on the multi-camera cooking show, so like the long format. Um, the, the the short Facebook Tasty Style videos, um, there's a ton of people who are teaching those. But my tip for those, one, is to have two cameras. Like, it, it just makes a huge difference to have two cameras and two tripods. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then you can just make the recipe and you don't have to pause, stop. Because especially with cooking... If you hit a point that you finally hit that right temperature on making that sugar syrup, you can't stop and move the camera right, and, yeah. you know, without refilming it or remaking it. So to save yourself time and headache, definitely have two cameras because the ones, the ones that are only top-down only, you get a lot of jump cuts. They're not as engaging to watch. It lasts longer than three seconds, and people get unengaged. Mm-hmm. So you want the three second rule is is real. You don't want to go over three seconds. Like even three seconds is long when you're doing those shots. You want to go from top to side to top to side. It gives you a nice interruption, a nice break. It keeps people engaged. Um, So two cameras for sure. And the other one is I have, for those, I do storyboard like 100%. I know exactly what every ingredient and stir and moment is going to be a top side. Like everything's completely written out and, um, so for those, it, it's tight because mm-hmm. they really do best around the one-minute mark. And so it's also, it's also about finding creative ways to make a recipe that's short a little bit longer but not boring and slow and a recipe that's incredibly long. I do a lot of cakes. I'm the only one who really can do that. And so mm-hmm. I, do, I have a lot of clients who are ordering cakes. And it's the cake recipe and the frosting recipe and frosting it and decorating it. And those are longer than a minute, but on the Facebook audience doesn't really want long videos. And so you have to find a way to make it as short as possible, 
without skipping steps and still making it entertaining and a little bit educational. Facebook is more about entertaining than education, where YouTube is more educational. So, um, so there can be moments that are cut, which what's okay to cut. You want them, the clients for those videos at the end of the day want people to click over to their blog. Mm-hmm. That's where they're making their money and their ads. And so you don't want to give away too much, but sure. you want to give away enough, and you don't want it to be incomplete. So they're actually, for such a short video, more complicated than than you'd think. Really, yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of like what John Clancy novels, right? Like if you've read one, you've read them all. Sure. Once you kind of figure it out, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the hard part is a client of mine who does a lot of cakes is to not make every single video look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you kind of find your rhythm, and it gets a lot easier. But at the beginning, yeah. it's, ah. Right, yeah. What about shooting uh, food photography? What mm-hmm. what goes into a good food photo? Is it, you know, is there something with the lighting specifically, or is it uh, the texture of the thing? You know, what, what are the components Yeah, there? at the end of the day, food's kind of ugly and gross. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so you're trying to make it appetizing and pretty. So for videography, I use all... Um, all, all lights. It's mm. n- none of it's natural lighting. Mm. I control every aspect of the videography shoots, but for food photography, there's there's n- natural light is really where it's at. The bringing in your own lights just doesn't really work. There's mm-hmm. just so much that you miss, and so I do I do all of my food photography with natural lights. Um, uh, I don't, I like shadows personally. Everybody kind of has their own style. So while I bounce a little bit of light back occasionally, uh, I, I really accept the shadows in the food photography. Mm-hmm. I kind of have a sweet spot for lighting and a sweet spot within my house where I do it. So for me, I can, I can do photography from like 1 to 2.30. That's how we're going to get the mm-hmm. best light, unless it's a cloudy day, and then it, you know, it extends my time a little bit. Right. Um, I really like um, my macro lens for food photography. For sure. I like being, and Pinterest likes, and Pinterest is really where it's at if mm-hmm. you're wanting to share food photography and lights. I really like my macro because um, I can get the details and it's not lost. A couple years ago, it was really popular to, to have, like to shoot a maybe like 4.5 aperture, so you were getting most of it out of focus and just getting that one spot but for me if you're looking at a slice of cake and you're getting this like line (laughs) that's in focus and everything else is out of focus that doesn't work so well so i tend to do macro and more at like 9 10 or 11 okay so that i'm getting that full slice that whole bowl that whole in focus and just the background uh Mm -hmm. you're getting the nice bokeh too but Uh, but that was popular a couple years ago to really have that super tight, and now it's becoming more acceptable. Thank goodness <laughs> to be able to see the whole food in focus. Right. I, I think it's important. Yeah, and that that kind of plays into like what you're trying to accomplish with that. Is it just a nice looking picture versus like actually demonstrating kind of what the food is? You know, how much you does that weigh into your kind of consideration when shooting these? Yeah, like, like how much it's a nice picture that looks good on Instagram versus actually showing what it is that you made? Does that <laughs> yeah. sort of like play into it for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, for me, I want it to be appetizing. I want people to click over. I want people to go, I want to make that. That looks delicious versus mm-hmm. just be like, ooh, how pretty. Right, yeah. Uh, well, we like to ask, uh, and you've mentioned a couple things. You mentioned uh, tripods. You mentioned a macro lens. Is there 
specific pieces of equipment that you recommend, you know, brands that you like that work better for what you do uh, that you could recommend to people? Uh, yeah, so for me, I have a ton of equipment. So it kind of depends on what you're looking to shoot. If you're like doing the YouTube style where it's educational and you're multi-camera and, um, and, and for, for that, I really love the Sonys. Mm-hmm. But before you even get into camera equipment, I really recommend uh, audio is the most important. If somebody clicks over on YouTube and they're watching a video and they can't hear you or understand you, you've lost them. Mm-hmm. So audio is the first place I'll tell people to upgrade and to spend their money on. Uh, cameras, they fit in great photography now. They're fitting in great videography now. They're not adding in great audio yet. So right. do not rely on your camera audio. Definitely record record on something else. Um, and what do you I record like, on? I like the, well, I currently <laughs> have a pretty big production mm-hmm. setup. But for the for the average or starting out, I recommend uh, the Zoom recorders. I really like those a lot. Yeah. If you're just solo, the One HN is great. Um, it's a great way to get started. You can just plug a normal microphone jack into that and have a good lav mic and get some great sound. Um, but if you are ever going to have a guest or have another person on, which I recommend, because as entertaining as I am, <laughs> it's a lot more fun to watch two people. It just is. I mean, think about the YouTube channels that do really well. Good Mythical Morning. It's fun to see them play off each other, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. I enjoy that aspect versus just um, just Casey Neistat by himself. Like, it's it's just different. So I do recommend guests. Collaboration really does well on YouTube. So I recommend considering that as you're looking into equipment. So I would go with the four or the six okay. because then you can plug in more lav mics and you definitely want to make sure that you're adding mics to each person individually. Um, I have three booms mm-hmm. and a lav mic because I still love the sound of that. Um, but... Uh, I can get a whole crowd into my kitchen. I felt my sister and her family came and filmed some fun recipes with me and my nieces and nephews, and I was able to just rely on the booms for that. Yeah. Um, but to begin with, get yourself a good lav mic and a good audio recorder. And after that lighting, if they come and they can hear you, but they can't see the details of what you're trying to teach them, they're going to lose you. So um, I, I really recommend some good daylight LED panels. Um, and then after that, then your video equipment. It's funny that as a videographer, that's really not the first piece of equipment that I recommend to people. Sure. But um, I like continual autofocus. Um, for my front shot where it's me in my kitchen, that is a manual focus shot. I have my plane that's in focus mm-hmm. and then everything else that's out of focus. But for the hands aspect of it, sometimes I'm super close to the camera and sometimes I'm far away and sometimes my hand is moving. So I like a good continual autofocus that's smooth and not jerky. Mm-hmm. So I really like the Sonys. I started out with the Sony A6300s. They're great. It's like butter. It's so beautiful the way it's smooth. But it is a crop camera mm-hmm. um, and so as, a, as each one of them dies because I film 24-7 five days a week right. so I'm, I'm going through them at a pretty good rate um, and I'm switching over into the full frames and I just got the um, the 7 III three eyes. I don't know how to say that. A7 III. Th- yeah. seven yeah. III. Thank you. I'm like I don't know do you call it eyes? Yeah. I have the 7 III right now and I'm really really happy with the quality mm-hmm. of that especially as that's my full shot right now it's getting a lot more it's not as close and yeah. so I like the crispness. What the, What's your primary uh, you facing the camera lens? What? Uh, I have a 55 1.8 a Sony okay. Zeiss. 
really like it yeah. a lot. And then on my top and side cameras, I have zoom lenses because especially my overhead, I have a, um, a Manfrotto boom arm mm-hmm. overhead tripod. And once that's in place, I, I do not want to move it. I don't want to be messing with it up and down and side to side. So I prefer a zoom lens up there so that I can keep it out of the shot, but I can still get closer when I need to. So I have a 16 to 70 Sony Zeiss up there. Okay. And then on my side, I do have a lot more flexibility. I use um, a compact uh, tripod on that side. So I do move. That's the one tripod that moves mm-hmm. uh, up and down and side and always changing angles. That's the angle that I count on to get those. You want to change when you're going from a to- top to side shot or a side to side shot. You want to change at least 30 mm-hmm. percent degrees or angles. Or, or and So that's the that's the tripod that I move. So it's light, it's flexible, it's easy to change, but then at the same time, it still has to stay out of frame and sometimes you want to get closer. So for that one, I have a Sony Zeiss 24 to 70. Okay. Uh, what's your macro? Uh, my macro, I'm actually still shooting with my Nikon for oh, okay. my food photography. Yeah. And so that's uh, the 105. Okay. Nikon. Cool. But only because I never take my Sonys off my tripod. Sure, yeah. And so I was originally a Nikon, and then I switched over to Sonys for video, and I just haven't quite gotten a, a Sony for photography yet. Mm-hmm. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Um, where can people find your work? Uh, my website is ashleymarie.com. And That's Ashley with two E's. Ashley with two E's. Um, and from there, you can find everything. You can go to my YouTube channel. Everything else is Ashley Marie Cakes on social media and Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram and YouTube and and yeah. Okay, well great. Well thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Appreciate having you. Thanks again to Ashley for sitting down with us. You can find all of the equipment that she mentioned in the episode description, as well as a link to her website. Thanks to Rode for furnishing our audio equipment. Check out our events page to find out more about all the upcoming workshops, seminars, demo days, and more that we're hosting. The Pictureline podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pictureline. Thanks for listening. I'm Jacob Norwood, and we'll see you next week.